Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Possibly bleak as this. Drop Never ended up in McDonald's, and I have had a coffee in one time. What the that I Welcome everyone to another episode of Chessie Hour. We are doing a special series. Um, it's the summer. Obviously, there's international games going on. These poor guys can't go on a holiday. They're dragging them back, back out to do international football. But for us as Chelsea fans, I think this is the season where we just really care about transfers. Now, I know a lot of people say they hate this. It's silly season. They hate getting linked because they get their hopes up and the players don't come through. But me, I love it. I love transfer season. I'm joined here with man like Joe. What are you saying, MLJ? I'm good, man. Hope you're blessed. Yes, yes, I am blessed. Um, yeah, I love this. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because a lot of people hate the transfer season. I love it. What, how do you feel about transfer season? It's always up and down for me. And for me, it's like I'm always interested in what the new thing is, the next direction we're going in. But at the same mm-hmm. time, all the stories, the false stories, trying to figure out what's real, what's not, can be a bit tedious mm-hmm. sometimes. This is... I guess for me, I've always, I've heard people complain about it. And I guess for me, the reason why it doesn't really grate me as much as most people is because I generally take everything with a pinch of salt. Obviously, there's some people that I rate more than than others. And to be fair, like, I think most people know about her now. But I love the way ES Grimes on Twitter has come from, like, nowhere. I think she came, I came across her account about a year ago when this whole kind of Chelsea were chasing Haaland. And obviously, I think she lives in Germany. But, you know, especially in the sport dominated by males, um, we've had so many... Sometimes I listen to podcasts with all of these ITKs and I can hear the bullshit. Do you know what you can hear? People making things up and waffling. I've been there, Joe. Do you know, sometimes, like, when you're just saying things to fill space. And 
There's uh, some going. Now, one hundred percent. It's just like you just know. It's like you're just making it up on the spot. Like there's not on. You just you can hear it in their voice. It's just yeah. like just no facts to it at all. It's just like speculation. And this is why I'm glad that Chessie our we're not necessarily ITKs like that. I know that um, a lot of people are doing well because they've got connections, but I like kind of being divorced from all that kind of connections thing. And I don't necessarily want people to listen in because they're going to hear the latest rumours. I don't. I know that a lot of podcasts even invite journalists on because, oh yeah, this journalist, well, let's ask them about questions and who's linked. And listen, they've got a place in the kind of whole Chelsea community. I'm not knocking them. But for me, I just... I always take what they say with a pinch of salt. I like first-hand news. A lot of the time, Tuchel, like we'll say, we're going to sign two or three players. Then the journalists will come out and say, no, they're going to sign four. And then people get upset that we didn't sign four players when Tuchel at the beginning said, listen, two or three players. So like, I, I, I usually take what they say with a pinch of salt. Obviously, there's some people that have a proven track record. And for me, right now, the only person that I'm listening to is E.S. Grimes. She's talking about the transfer... Um, Chelsea's targets it's interesting so she seems to think obviously Kunde and Dembele is two big ones she announced today that apparently Dembele is wrapped up so she's put her neck on the line but she's done this before and Chelsea fans are happy about that Sangare, Sangare and Bissouma are two DMs it looks like they're the DM options that we're looking at because um, apparently we're going for DMs left wing back options Cucurella and Borna Sosa. I just like Borna Sosa's name. And I like the fact that he um, models himself on Beckham. And so all, like ever since, well, not ever since Trent, but people want more like expert crossers as well. People that are good at deliveries at fullback. And he's supposed to be like um, a Beckham, a Croatian Beckham from left back. Cucurella, we all know about. We was linked with him, um, not necessarily Lampard's target, but we was linked with him under Lampard, as we was linked with Gosens too. Um, and in, in defence, we're linked with, I still don't know how to say his name, so G. Bardio, we're linked with Quilibali, we're linked with Paul Torres. Um, and then in attack, we've been linked with Gnabry, uh, Nkuku, Lewandowski, and some people are linking us with Lautaro. Now, in this series, we're going to focus on, we're going to have different members of the Chelsea cast, Chelsea cast on. And we also might be inviting some of our listeners on too. And essentially what I want to do is I want to get, if you had your way, if you was the sporting director, uh, so on this episode, it's you, Joe. But again, we're going to be doing a series and we're going to figure out, okay, what would you do this summer? Because the thing is, a lot of people think they know what's best for Chelsea, right? And I would love, what I want to do is I'm going to create almost like a catalogue of our ideas of what we should make our first 11 for next season. And then, yeah, as the season goes on, I want to compare it. Who had the best idea of what we should do going into the season? And so we're going to start this series with you, Joe. Um and what I'll say, Joe, is thank you, number one, for going first. It's all good. It's all good. I'm glad and, to be here. And also what I'll say is this, because I think the later you leave it, it's almost like the more you've got, because, you know, other players might appear, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'll say is even though you're going first, don't worry. Towards the end of the summer, I'll give you a chance to, you know, change it around. But what we'll do is we'll get all of them on a Chessie account. And then we'll track it through the season to see who had the best idea of starting at 11, 
for 2022-2023. So we're going to get into your um, starting eleven. So I don't want to do the whole squad thing because it just gets way too complicated. But you've already put together your starting eleven for um, your proposed starting eleven for 2022-2023. Now, before we get into the actual um, players that you've chosen, I want to talk about what what are you going for in terms of philosophy? So you know how we play now. And obviously you've got your idea of what we can do to improve that. So in terms of if you were to put, if you was to put man like Joe Stamp on what we're currently doing to make us better, what would you change about our philosophy? So not necessarily players, but what would you change about how we play? I feel like the most important thing is the attackers, the wingers or the double tens or split strikers, whatever they are, they need to have complete freedom. They need to be able to feel like they can do what they do best on the pitch. They need to be able to know that they're not just restricted to specific zones on the pitch. I feel like for us to be able to unlock low blocks and to be able to shift defenses, we need to be able to be flexible and fluid around the pitch. And I feel like sometimes we struggle with that. So, so that's so one of the main things I do. So complete freedom for the attackers and you don't believe we have complete freedom currently? I feel like this season, mm -hmm. if I'm being fair, I feel like this season we've seen it more mm -hmm. compared to last season. Like, for example, like with the wing backs, they become more inverted. Mm -hmm. The wingers become the tens become more wingers hugging the touchline. So mm -hmm. we're seeing more the variation, but as like I feel like the passing the passing patterns and the combination play could be more at the forefront of the way we play. I feel like those are the kind of things that I like to see in a football team. I like to see a lot of passing moves. I don't just want the ball to just be recycled all the time. Like, I feel like it's important, ball retention. Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's important to always be pushing the envelope, to be always trying something new. The attackers need to be able to feel free to be able to try something that may not come off, but may be able to unsettle the defence. And I see with the best teams, like I see with Bayern, I see with Man City, I see at times with Barcelona, do you get what I mean? They have attackers that they're just free and they're willing and they're daring to take on people. Do you get what I mean? And I feel like sometimes we struggle with that. Okay. But I'm talking... So do you believe that the philosophy is restricting the players or currently the individuals we have are is the restriction? So do you... Because you're saying... like I, you're I think it's more the philosophy, in my opinion. Obviously, the players at the same time, like... We do have, we need a lot more technical players to be able to fulfill the philosophy to the highest degree. But I still feel like with Tuchel, he, he's, it's almost like he still has us playing with like the handbrake on a bit. Like, but what, what makes you, because I just want to get into what makes you think that. But, and the only reason why I ask and challenge you yes. is because Tuchel himself, when you hear him talking about it, he's, he's always like, no, I want to give my attackers freedom. To be fair, I think there was one time he said, as long as you're doing it in a specific area. So my, maybe that's what you're talking to in terms of being hampered. But yeah, even... Play. 
but even but even when he was talking about wing backs, he was like, "No, I don't want my wing backs to have to be focused on defense when we're attacking." He was like, "No, I want you should just be focused on the attack." So that to me sounds like attacking freedom. Yes, he has his zones because it's like, okay, cool. I don't want three players in the same area, and then may- maybe that's part of it. I watched I watched the game today, and it was. Um, the League Cup, the Capital One Cup at the, that point, 2015, we won it. It was the first trophy we won under Mourinho since he returned in his second stint. And it was so interesting to watch old games because you know like how um, what people try to do to shit on a new team is always they like to big up the old team, even players that they may have previously trashed before. Now they're so amazing compared to all of the players we have now. So <clears throat> it, was the, it was that season um, and it was the first trophy that Mourinho won. It was against Spurs, and it was so interesting, number one, to see Costa play, because Costa chased down everything. So when you're looking at, around at uh, Lukaku and people um, are talking about, oh, he doesn't move, etc. I saw it. I saw good movement because he always made himself free and easy to find for whenever Chelsea enemy was counterattacking. But for whenever Chelsea got the ball, he made himself so easy to find. And it was like, it was, you didn't even have to have like prime creativity to find him. It was just a no-brainer because he'd done the work for the midfielders. His movement was so good. Um, And what was also interesting about it, (laughs) what was interesting about it is if I paint the picture, uh, we played 4-3-3. So it was Costa up front. It was Hazard on the left, Willian on the right. That's the attacking three. Then in midfield, we had... Sesk left central midfield. We had Ramirez right central midfield, and then we had Zuma as the um, the DM. Now, someone actually tweeted me on the account, and I can't remember exactly what they said, but apparently we played Spurs before and we didn't do well. And I think Ericsson had a lot of control. So I think um, in response in this game, Mourinho put Zuma there to track Ericsson as the anchor, um, and obviously he's not anchor. So that was interesting. Then we had Ivanovic right uh, back, and we had Azpilicueta left back, and then we had Cahill and Terry as centre back, and then we had checking goal with Courtois on the bench, and we had Drogba on the bench, and it was so interesting. Um, what was interesting about that game is number one, we didn't play possession football, we played counter attacking football. Spurs had most of the possession, we played counter attacking football, and what why I bring up this is it was funny because our, our our side seemed like it was split um like vertically so we had a left side and the right side and it looked like obviously Hazard's playing on the left and so is Sesk and even Costa most of the times he would go towards the left channel so those three I think it seemed like we were weighted most of our attacks came from that side and then obviously we had Azpilicueta um, left back and that just freed Eden and Sesk to do more attacking um, and then obviously Zuma was there to track Ericsson but then on the right side we had people like uh, William and Ramirez and they were more focused on coming back to help you know defend so like if even though don't forget both of them are players with PMP so they could get forward and they could support the attack too but they it almost seemed like we're just focusing on our attack completely 
on the left and we were counter-attacking. It wasn't about holding. You're not going to hold the ball when you have Zuma and Ramirez in midfield. And even Sesk. Sesk is always just looking up to pump the ball. So he wasn't holding the ball at all. It was just, let's contain Spurs and then let's get the ball quickly up to Costa. Um, and the only reason why I talk about that is, when you talk about attacking freedom, it did feel like, actually, we're just going to attack through the left. And even Costa, like, of course, Costa sometimes walks out on the right. Um, and even Eden, again, he has a little bit of freedom, but there was a there was a concentrated attack through the left. And it's interesting because Costa, Hazard and Cesc, they all wanted to be in close proximity to, to one another. And even if you think about, like, when we had Eden and Mata, who everybody likes as a partnership, they, they were supposed to have played on either wing. But what would happen was Eden would come over to Matt's side and double up. Matt would come over to Eden's side and double up. And so when we have these zones that you're talking about, and if Tuchel's saying, no, you stay here, you stay here, you operate in that zone, then maybe we're missing the overloads. Is that what you're talking about? You'd like the freedom so that people just overload and you can be on one side. Yes, I like, I want to see more overloads. Like, I feel like when we've seen that in our games under Tuchel, I feel like that's when we've been our most effective. Do you get what I mean? Like, we've seen a lot of goals come from nice, intricate play where we've overloaded on a specific side of the pitch hmm. and we shifted up. I think Burnley, I feel like Burnley is a good example. We did that a lot with them on the right-hand side. Hmm. Like, we just kept overloading with Callum and I forgot whoever else was there, but like I think Barkley was playing. We were just penetrating the right-hand side and we just kept pushing, pushing, pushing and eventually they folded because it's like, it takes a lot for defenders to stay concentrated when you're constantly just going at one position, going at one position, do you get what I mean? So it's like the best teams, I feel like when they do a lot of overloads, they break teams down better. And I feel like that's something I want to see more in our game next season because we need to have variety in our attack if we want to beat different teams throughout a long season. If we're overloaded down the same side, that's not necessarily right. But I get it's like you don't necessarily have to continually overload. It doesn't all have to be just one side. You get what yeah. I mean? It's just where the opportunities are. You need to be able to take advantage of them. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. As best as possible. Yeah, I guess I guess the reason why I bring it up is because it seemed like specifically, especially when we had Eden, most of the our play came down the left. It was all like whenever Eden was there, like of course, when Mata was here at first, Mata was the prime kind of attacker for us. But as soon as Mata left, then Eden became our main attacker. And I think most of the time, everything just went through Eden. He would be the person like, with most touches. And, and so it would come down there. But then, again, he was a magician. And we don't necessarily have those magicians. But what we're going to do is now we're going to get into your team. And I think, do we start from the top? I think, let us start from the top because... They say save the best for last, but sometimes saving the best for last gets boring. <laughs> so, um, do you have Lukaku as your striker? No way. <laughs> why, why not? Listen, I was... Seeing me and Lukaku has always just been a thing of prove me wrong, because I've just never been sold on him, to be yeah. honest. Okay. When did, you, when did you bow out on Lukaku? When did you decide, you know what, I'm done? To be honest... I was never really on board. Mm-hmm. It was just more of like, let's see how you do. Yeah. And it was a couple of games into the season, really. I was not really that yeah. impressed. 
I think only the Arsenal game was a bit alright at the start of the season, yeah. but outside yeah. of that, I was just never moved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. I think when we sign players, no matter even if you don't want them, you've got to give them some leeway. Can't just be a hater all the time. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you can't just want it to not work because that's like egotistical. Um, so I respect that. I respect that. So who do you have up front? So for me, I have up front Kai Havertz. Okay. So I think we spoke on the last pod about how, why I think Kai Havertz, I'm not saying he can't get goals, but will he be a golden boot chaser? Do you, Can you see him uh, fighting out with Kane for the golden boot? I think I can see it because I see a lot of positives when Kai plays. Not many negatives, especially when he's in front of goal. I feel like he's someone that he gets those opportunities. He gets into the good positions. Mm-hmm. And his finishing isn't bad. I just feel it's very inconsistent. Yeah, And I feel that's more just down to the fact that he's still young and fresh to a different league and different tempo. And it's like, I feel like he's had a lot of time to really just adjust to how quick defenders get back and how quick um, keepers set themselves and react. And it's like, he's got to adapt his game to that. And I so- feel like... Once he gets that unlock, we're going to see more goals from him. So is he going to get that unlock this season, though? You said that he's young, and that's the reason why. But he's he's young, right? He's not going to be 28. So this season, he's still going to be young. So why do you think that he can compete with the likes of Salah and Kane for the golden boot? I think it's just more about the fact that he's becoming more confident. Like, if you hear him speak and you see him, he's a very realistic young man do you get what I mean like he knows when he's playing bad and he's someone that strives for the best and it's like he's had a lot of time to adapt and grow since he's come when he's been in the team out the team and I feel like if we're being honest and we've watched his progression you can see that there are a lot of improvements and it's not like it's on a down, downward spiral it's mm-hmm. on an upward scale for me like we're seeing more things for example his goal against Newcastle those are the kind of things we were seeing when he was at Bayern Leverkusen, do you get what I mean? Yeah. So it's just more about the fact that he needs to play football. We okay. got him as a false nine, then we got Lukaku, and then we were trying to move him around the pitch, and it wasn't working. So I feel like he missed out on a lot of just valuable minutes up front and just being able to get himself into comfortable positions to score. Yeah. And I, just, I see it in him. I see it in him. He has it in him. He has it in him. What I'll say yeah. is this. If we look at Kane... Obviously, Son was the Golden Boot winner um, this season. And if we look at Kane, Kane started mad slow. um, And then towards the end of the season, he scored a lot of goals. Salah started mad fast. And towards the end of the season, it kind of dried up. Mm -hmm. And so we all know that Kai Havertz, um, generally, he's someone that we can rely on in the second part of the season. So then the question comes, if the pattern so far is, Kai Havertz usually comes alive in the second part of the season. Are you worried about this first part of the season with Kai? It all depends on how we start him off because if you look at it, like his starts, him at the start of the season, they haven't really been the most smooth starts. Do you get what I mean? It's not like he's always been, yeah, set position. This is where you're playing. Mm-hmm. He's always been moved around a lot, put in with different players that he's got kind of like, have different partnerships and understanding with and it's like we need to have a level of consistency from the beginning Mm -hmm. and I think if we have that 
I wouldn't be too worried because he has quality and it's like this is his third season now, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so it's like he's not a player, like it's not like we just bought a random player that's just happy to be here. Like he has ambitions. I feel like he's more like adjusted now, and I expect him to want to push himself, especially with all the new players that will be coming in. Like he's the 71 million pound player. Like he's not he's not a small boy, isn't it? If he was a hundred million pound player, and you want to get rid of his ass, but yeah, <laughs> I get, I get, I get. So for Kai Havertz to be a golden boot chaser, because he's is is he going to be the person you're going to expect for to carry the gold burden for us? As it stands right now, because I I don't know about who else is coming in, and I no, I'm talking about this is your team for your team yeah. to put together. He's going to be the one to carry the gold burden. Okay. Yeah, he's going to be the one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Okay, so talk me through the rest of your attack. So you have who's the next person you will mention in your attack? Okay, so we'll go to the left, left wing, Callum Hudson Odoi. Callum Hudson Odoi. Now, listen, what do you think the people, the Chelsea fans listening, Chelsea listeners, how do you think they're going to respond to the fact that you've got? Because essentially, I've asked you for your first, your not your first 11, but this is the 11 I was, um, I'm asking you that you'd want to see start most games for Chelsea next season. So you'd want Hudson to be a first, um, a regular, sorry. Especially in the big games. Yeah, but just a regular. These these are all your regular. You want Hudson Doyle to be the regular, yeah? Yep. Okay. So talk me through your choice for Hudson Doyle to be a regular. For me, it's like, when we look at all the teams like Liverpool, City, they have those players that they're multifaceted. They are good ball progressors. They're good passers. They're good dribblers. They got vision. They're creative. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. always trying to push the envelope. And that is Callum wrapped up in one. Mm-hmm. And it's like his underlying metrics. Whenever you see him on the pitch, you see that we play very freely. And it's like, he's a very creative player. And it's like, especially against low blocks, mm-hmm. I like how he likes to play. He's someone that likes to go wide, likes to do, like, create overloads, likes to do a lot of combination play, one-touch passes, flicks, because he's like, he knows that these little things he does cuts down the amount of time they need to spend on the ball when it comes down to breaking the team down. And it's like, the efficiency is important. And I feel like that's something that he would bring to the attack. And he links up well with Kai. We see it when they play together. It does. It's important to have chemistry when you're building an attack. Okay. So if Kai Havertz is your uh, number one goal scorer, then Hudson Doe, what role is he playing for you in attack? He's going to be... He's going to be like almost like the second... like the co-creator because obviously like the the, the other guy I'm going to have on the other side we'll about the other guy later but so he, he'll be so you're saying that you've got uh, a goal scorer and then you've got two co-creators as part of your yes. okay all right okay okay so let's get to the second co-creator and you want to tell uh, the audience who that is Dembele okay so to be fair we're linked with Dembele 
Uh, Grimes has promised us that it's happening and Grimes is better because otherwise Chelsea fans will, they'll get a ban from Twitter. Do you know what I'm saying? They'll report her account. Um, but the first thing that people are going to say when they see this attack is, where are the goals? So I'll, I'll get up on F-Breath, but obviously one of the things that people criticise Hudson Adoy for, they'll say four goals in the league in four seasons. Um and Kai Havertz, I think the most he scored so far in the league is eight. Um, and then Dembele, this season, he's come back from injury and he's got something like a ridiculous amount of assists, but I think he's got one or two goals. So I guess that people are going to criticise the team and saying, where's the goals? Yeah. And that's a very valid thing to say. But at the same time, for me, if you're asking me what I like to see on the pitch and how I like to see my team play, I, I like to see fluid, creative like players. No goals. Able to make up. The goals will come. Dembele, the, I feel like Dembele is a very creative player. And it's like when he wants to go and get a goal, he can get a goal. He's a good finisher. He's a good dribbler. And I feel like oh. once he gets to England, we're going to see... We're not going to see amazing, we're not going to see golden boot numbers, but we're going to see a decent amount. I can see him getting at least 10 goals in the league. At yeah. least 10 goals in the league. Yeah. We don't even know if we'll be fit, fit enough to do that. But so, I'm all right. So, my neck out. I don't mind. Okay. All right. But though, to be fair, like, I, I hope you do mind because what we're going to do is we're going to try to hold everyone to these things. So, Listen, the, when people ask you how many goals do you think this person scores, how many goals do you think that person scores, why I don't like that question at present is because we don't even have people that play 30 games a season. It's so much easier for me to predict how many goals is a Kane going to score. Kane played 37 games a season, started mm-hmm. most of them for Spurs. How many goals is Salah going to score? Salah started most of the games. So it's so easy. I feel like the only player that we can really have high expectation on for goals is Mount. And the reason why is because Mount is the player that in our attack that is probably going to start, you know, 25 to 30 games. At this, at this point, at present, we don't have another attacker where we can, I can confidently say you're going to start 25 to 30. Now, if we do sign Dembele, it's going to be a fat, fat contract. And so... Obviously, God willing, if we do sign him, he stays fit. And you believe that he'll get about 10 goals. Yeah, I can see that. And yeah, I'm not really worried about that. When if, so I, believe when, when, so, I believe his quality is that high. I'm not really that worried about those kind of things with him. It's just about putting him on the pitch. That's yeah, it. but I'm just, I, I'm not even talking about Dembele now. Right now, the question that people are going to pose to you is how many goals would that attack have if they do manage to be the front three and they manage to play 30 games? And so what I'm trying to do is ascertain how many goals that attack is capable of. Because I've done this analysis before and a lot of the best attacks, they're able to generate about 55 to 60 goals. Um, and, and those are the t- type of attacks that win the league. So if you think about Mane and Salah, um, between them, like they'll get 20 goals each and that's 40. And then the other one will get 15. Like even if Firmino doesn't have to get 20 and it becomes 55 goals, right? And so if Dembele is getting 10, then to get the 55, that means 45 
between Kai and Hudson and Doyle, right? So that means like 25 for Kai and 20 for Hudson. Now, listen, these are, these are not, like other teams can have, you know, Mount might be playing in midfield for you and he might come through with goals like Lampard did, etc. But just doing the, like when you looked at Sturridge, Sterling, Suarez, they would manage to get around 50 goals. Even at Chelsea, we had, you know, Hazard, Costa, Pedro, managing to get around 50 goals. So if if Dembele plays 30 games, 35 games or whatever, gets 10, 10 goals for you, Kai Havertz, let's say Kai, this season, I think, Kai got like eight goals in 18 starts or eight around 18 games. So that's like one and two. But if, if Kai plays 30 games, how many goals would you expect him to get? Fifteen. Fifteen. Minimum. I can see him getting like at least fifteen. If he's playing from the beginning, we're getting him for yeah. the whole season of games. Yeah. Yeah. I can see him getting at least fifteen. Like I said, he got eight. He got eight this season, and I think he must have started like eighteen games. Or like so that's not that that's not bad because that's half the season, right? So him getting fifteen isn't even like he has to majorly improve if he starts thirty games. He just okay. got to have consistency. Like he just got to be able to play from right. the and he didn't even play all of the games up front this season. So look, there's something in it in terms of Kai has capacity to score more goals. Just if he plays more. Okay, so then we come up. We've started with about ten for Dimbele. Then we've got um, we're saying fifteen for. Kai, so that's 25 goals. And so how many would you, if if Hudson Doe played 30 games, how many do you think he'd get? And that's that's I guess that's very that's very ambitious. Yeah, that's the word. Very <laughs> ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> very ambitious. <laughs> What? You know what it is? It's like, at the end of the day, people have their criticisms about him mm-hmm. and him being in front of goal. But while being very realistic, it's like he's lacked the consistency of playing games up front. Mm-hmm. So expecting him to be a goal threat all the time is very mm-hmm. unrealistic because you need to be able to have repetition of mm-hmm. these kind of actions. And even Tuku will tell you, like, he was starting to build up that momentum and he was getting to a point where it's like he had played more than he had it wasn't done. it wasn't goal scoring momentum. it was it was good playing now what i what what I, i'm going to challenge you on the ambitious number because i don't want you to have ambitious numbers i actually want you to give us the numbers where we can say yeah they're going to definitely get that and then anything they get on top that's bonus so like this season the amount of goals that Mount got, we didn't expect it. It's bonus. To be fair, some people could have expected it. If you t- if you took Mount's goal rate under Tuchel specifically, because under Lampard he wasn't scoring that much, and Tuchel came in, we played a three four three. He was playing close to the goal, and then he started to score more goals. So if you was to take that goal ratio, you could have said actually in this team when you switch to a three four three under Tuchel, he's scoring more. And so really and truly, like I I predicted that he'd get more goals than he did but what I'm saying is I want it to be realistic goal I want it to be logical um, amounts that you're going to suggest for players because I, I, I'm i going to 
we're going to obviously challenge you on this throughout the season. And so we don't want to set the bar too high. So if you was to say a realistic amount of goals you expect from Hudson Odoi um, over 30 starts, and listen, you don't have to, just because I'm saying realistic, it doesn't mean I'm saying keep it low. You just have to explain logically why he's going to get that. So give me your answer again, but make it logical. I think 10 goals is not like it. I, you can say it's asking a lot from him, but at the same time, it's like he as is an attacker and it's... As long as, you, as long as you can explain to me logically why you think he's going to get 10 goals. Because he's playing consistent games and that's the biggest problem. People talk about him and his finishing up front, but at the same time, he's like he doesn't play enough games up front. He doesn't have the consistency in, of running games to have the confidence to finish all the time. And it's like, we've seen him in front of goal. He has the tech to score goals. We've seen in the Champions League. We've seen in the Premier League. Go on, go on. For me, I believe he just needs to play more games. If we're playing but, 30 games in a season, 30 starts, I believe that he can get 10 goals. Okay. Especially but, with I, a team that is fluid and moves okay. well. I believe we're going to be able to get ourselves into good goal scoring positions. I, I I agree, but I just I wanted the logical explanation. So I think right now he's more of a one in five. I haven't looked if that's goals to starts or goals to just full appearances. And obviously he's had a lot of sub appearances. He's played right wing back, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I haven't done that analysis to find out his true capacity as a goal scorer when playing in attack. Um and so if you're going to go with 10, that's fine. I've challenged you and you're still going to go there, that's fine. So essentially, from those attacking three, now I know you can get goals from, you know, other, let's say Brozier's part of the attack, but he's not in your main three or whatever. I know you can get it from midfield, etc. But I always just like to calculate roughly how much people are expecting for their main attacking three. And so you've got 10 from Dembele, 15 from Kai, and then you've got another 10 from Hudson Doe, and that brings it up to 35. Now, I've done, I've kind of given you the benchmark of a lot of good attacks. So if you look at Kane and Son, um, both of them, you know, you could expect them to get probably those numbers between the two of them. I think the same with Salah, and obviously Mane might not be here, but Salah and Mane. Um, and obviously, like, City have just bought Haaland and Alvarez, um, who may be able to get those between the two. Do you feel like you're setting us up for not being able to catch our rivals by not having enough firepower in the in your main attacking three? I guess maybe I am, but at the same time, it's like it's going to be a team effort at the end of the day. As much as, like, we want these guys to be the main source of everything. I believe we have we have enough in other avenues through players like Amount. If we bring back a Broja, I feel like we're gonna get through we're gonna get through the rest of your team now, but it's gonna be a team, it's gonna be a team. You kind of need the, the context of the bigger for a whole season, you kind of need to kind but, of but what I'm saying is if what we're talking about, we're just gonna talk about a team that you would rely on throughout the season. So when we think about teams like the Invincibles, yes, there was a wider squad that played it, but there was that the first 11 that you could count on. It's the same with, you know, when we won the league under Jose Mourinho, it was checking goal. It was Paulo Ferreira right back. It was 
Gallas, Terry, Ricardo Carvalho, um, to be fair, and then obviously Wayne Bridge sometimes because Gallas would play left back. And then it was Makaleli, it was uh, Lampard, it was Thiago at that point. Old school Thiago for those that are too young. There was another Thiago, Portuguese Thiago. Um, and then it was Robin and Duff and then Joko sometimes. And then it was Good Johnson or Drogba. But really and truly, like the spine of teams, you, a lot of the times you can just name the like the core 11. And I believe the more that, you know, uh, you can't name that. I think the the more um, it's because you don't have players that you can rely on. Now I know that obviously um, now we're competing in so many fronts and it's a squad game. But I, yeah, I'm just focusing on the attack for goals because yes, there's going to be, uh, be goals coming from the defense and the other contributors. But equally, City are going to have goals coming from other places so I just want to focus on the guys we're relying on for goals because there are going to go be goals coming from our players but the guys that we are relying on goal for goals can they compete with our peers in the guys they're going to be relying on goals but it's okay you've you've chosen your front three and you're happy with that um and so let's move to the, the midfield and you know what yeah yeah you know one thing I'll say about me I'm someone that's very just wedded to one thing i can move i can take things in and i'm very adaptable yes perfect so what i'm gonna do after i've taken everything in since we're just gonna go through it and it's my team i'm gonna change certain up real quick okay that's fine i've taken in some information you get what i mean Ah, okay okay cool so obviously you've had some valid points to raise when it comes to we need to have more numbers up front if you want to catch City and Liverpool so what I'm going to do is I'm going to move Callum out of the attack okay I'm going to move Mount into the left okay into the attack yes okay so this is going to be a three at the back okay all right well now I don't know what team you're going to have so I'm going to find out with the listeners what your team's going to be like. So don't tell me, but so you've moved Callum out and you've moved Mount in and a lot of Chelsea fans and the Chelsea listeners, uh, probably this is more like what they'd expect because obviously Mount, player of the season. So for him to be a squaddy rather than someone that we rely on, is probably like a stretch. But so with the talk us through your move to put Mount into the attack. Like you said, it would be a bit of a stretch. And I want to be fair, do you get what I mean? Like, I'm not just here to push agendas, do you get what I mean? And I'm someone that's been very critical amount on Twitter and in conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And this season, he's impressed me. At the same time, he's also played a lot of football since mm-hmm. he's become a Chelsea player. So I do have a certain level of expectations of what I want for him at this point. Mm-hmm. And he stepped up. He's shown that he can get goals. He's shown he can get assists. He's mm-hmm. shown he can play in big games. Mm-hmm. So I am doing a, him a disservice to not put him in the attack. Mm-hmm. I feel like he can therefore build upon what he did this season in his mm-hmm. um, goal and assist numbers. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like he's also shown that is tactically... Like, he's very easy to move around the pitch is mm-hmm. very good to understand instructions and I feel like he would link well with Havertz and Dembele 
Okay. So okay. I'll have him on the left. Okay. So it's interesting. It's, it is really interesting. Now I'm going to challenge you, you again. So Mount starts 30 games. Dembele and Havertz are his uh, attacking partners. How many goals do you expect him to get in these 30 games? What did he get at the end of the season? I think he got 11. 11. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man got 11. I can see 15. You can say yeah. 15. You can say, I can see 15 as a minimum. Okay. All I can right. see 15 as a minimum because I feel like going into next season, especially with play, a player like Dembele on the right, who is very creative, mm-hmm. I feel like Mount is a player that likes to take shots. We've seen it a lot more towards the end of the season, especially yeah. when it's time to step up. He's someone that likes to take shots and he's not a bad shooter in this. So I feel like this season, going into next season, I feel like he's just going to want to build upon what he did last season. Yeah, I've always seen. So I think I first started to, I've heard about Mount ages ago. I heard about Mount when McEachern was coming through. McEachern was like 17, 18, and I think Mount was like 13. Um, but I first really saw him when he was like 15, 16. And I didn't even see him for Chelsea. I saw him for England. And he was scoring these goals where he was cutting in from the left, being jinxy, showing technique um, and scoring goals. And I always when I saw him coming through from, from those goals, I always thought that, I know people are saying he's like an eight, but I always just thought like, this guy is a bit of an attacker. And I, I just saw him more like, more like, not necessarily like a Dybala in terms of the same kind of like technical level and stuff like that. Even though I do believe that Mount is really, like his technique is really good. I think that's one of the best things about his game. Um, but I just always saw like the best version of Mount I could see is someone that was on the left, cutting in and then shooting and getting goals. Because I could see, I think a lot of the time we try to um, project and impress our um, ideas onto what players should be. But a lot of the time I just look, what are you driven by? And I think for me, central midfielders, they're part of the, they need to be a bit more like people that care about helping the team. They, they can't be as individualistic for me because they have to sacrifice. They have to, oh, I'm going to, even though I'm up here and the ball's all the way back there, I'm going to run all the way back because my team needs me. And I just feel like with Mount, I feel like his focus is so much on getting goals and assists, even in the recent articles. Whenever, in fact, most of the interviews I hear him talking about now, he's talking about targets, getting goals and assists trying to be the person to rely on, that Chelsea can rely on. People say it's the main man complex, and he's got that. And I do believe that um, a lot of these players that carry teams, they need to have that main character syndrome that people criticise Mount for, because like, they're literally preparing themselves to be the rescue man. Um, and so I think with Mount in attack, it just makes way more sense than him in midfield. I believe that midfielders... They have they're less individualistic. Um, I feel like midfielders more care about the team. I know that a lot of people see midfielders, the number eight Lampard, and he's a midfielder and, and he still he was individualistic. But I just feel like, especially in the formation we've got, I, I see Mount as firmly as an attacker, and I think a lot of his goals, if you watch back his goals, he's coming in from that left, 
and he's shooting in the right. And I think, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see him develop there. But another thing that I just, before we move into midfield, I didn't mind your Hudson and choice because as I'm going through and I'm talking to different people about their preferred 11s, I want to see differences. I think what's most interesting is our differences. And you have been the flag bearer for Hudson and like almost like the number one flag bearer for Hudson Doyle. So it is a bit disappointing you've taken him out, but I, I get you sold your soul to the devil because of goals. It's cool. Um, so let's let's talk through your midfield. So you've got Mount, Havertz, Dembele as an attack. Talk me through your midfield. Okay, so we've got that sorted. So for me, personally, if I had my way, I would still have Jorginho starting for us. I know a lot of people question him a lot and whether or not he should be starting for us, but we see him up against the Fabinho's, the Fernandinho's, the Rodri's. We like we see him go up against these greats and it's like he is not no small player. And I feel like we see the difference when he's on the, t- on the pitch and when he's not on the pitch. We have a lot of good midfielders, but none of them can control the tempo like him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is very vital when it comes to winning midfield battles. I feel like he's someone that's important to have there. Okay, wait, before before you go on, and the only reason why I'm going to ask this question is because it won't be fair if you put Jorginho there and then he goes. So like, we'll keep Jorginho in your team, but I'll also give you, just in case he leaves, who would you have to replace him? Who would you bring in to replace him? As in bringing transfer-wise or playing that position? You have the ability to either bring them in transfer-wise or do a loanee or pick someone else that we already have. Mm. I'll, I'll let you think on that, but whilst you think on that, tell us your other two. Okay, cool. So the other person I'll play in that position, I would go... If we're taking Jorginho out, I would go with Kovacic and Kante as my starting two. Okay. I feel like a lot of people have their doubts and their issues with Kante playing, but I feel like if we manage him well, he'll be fine. And I feel like he still has enough in him to play a large role in the team, to Mm -hmm. play a lot of games for us, especially in the league. Mm -hmm. I feel like him as that guy that's there to mop things up to win the ball back and also contribute with his um runs with his he's he's a he's a very technical player like he doesn't get enough credit for that like yeah. his little one twos his little um switches of play mm-hmm. or in the counter attack he's someone that is very i feel like he's pretty good when it comes to when we're in transitions like a lot of people question his final ball but for the lot a lot of the time like when we've seen him in those kind of positions uh, we've we've had a lot of good a lot of joy from it do you get what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like he's someone that i value enough to start going into a season like he's someone that i feel like he's a world-class player that i would have there yeah and someone that i would have beside him like covetage is someone that is good on the ball a good passer he's mm-hmm. Someone that can control a tempo to a certain extent, not like a Jorginho because he likes to dribble a lot. So he doesn't like to just be one position. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if we're going to take Jorginho out, the way my picking order is, I would have Kovacic and Kante. And I feel like they would have a good partnership, a good blend. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we're going to have a double pivot. 
so both of them can rotate when it comes to who's going to be the one that's sitting the deepest you get what i mean okay and I feel like we have enough in both of them together to have them as a pivot so you're happy with that so you're gonna have them as a pivot yes okay. at the back okay all right and so who are your wing backs so this is where it gets a bit fun do you get what i mean so obviously i got reese james yes on the right Mm-hmm. Like you don't even need to ask me that. He's there. Okay. That's his position. Future captain. On the left, we have a bit of a dilemma because Chowell, I don't think he's someone that we can rely on coming into the next season. Like We need to let him take his time. So, because of the alteration I had to make, I will play <laughs> at the back. Yeah. I'm playing Callum. Okay. Okay. So, Obviously, you thought I sold my soul, but I, did. I had a little something. I'm glad. Around the corner, you go. I mean, you had a little sub. All right. Yeah. You surprised me and you surprised the audience. This is good because I was disappointed. I was really disappointed. Come because, on, man. Because me and Callum. You should never doubt it. You should never doubt it. I shouldn't have doubted. How to do it? Don't let Cho go. 2018. Don't let Cho go. Starboy this, Starboy that, and I've just seen obviously transfer request and injury, and I've just seen obviously the full fan base be behind him, and every single season and every single month it seems like it's dwindling and dwindling and dwindling, and now it's just a few good men left that believe, and so for you to have taken him out of the team, I was like, ah, oh, that's like one of his strongest soldiers, and and even he's down and out, but you're you're still alive to fight for Cho another day. So you've got him as the left wing back and you've got Reese James as the right wing back. You've got Kovacic and Kante in midfield. You've got Dembele and Mount and then Kai through the middle. That doesn't sound too bad so far. I don't think that's, I don't, that doesn't sound too bad at all. Um, now, obviously, centre-backs, we've been decimated. It seems like Barcelona have just said, they've just ordered our back line. They just said, yeah, Garçon. Give me the Chelsea backline. Do you know what I'm saying? And I don't know if Xavi can't coach a defence and he's just going to tell him, listen, do whatever you, you know, do whatever Tuchel told you to do at Chelsea and just defend. But they've come for Alonso. They've come for Azpi. They even came for Rudiger. Obviously, they're trying for Christensen as well. They've got Christensen, sorry. Um, so we need a lot of incomings in, in, in defence. So I'll be super interesting to hear who you have in your back three? So with me, I'm a back three. Mm-hmm. Sweeper, Thiago Silva. For me... 38-year-old Thiago Silva? Yes. Okay. Without a doubt. Okay. His age to me doesn't even matter because I feel like he's proven time after time that it's just a number. Like, mm-hmm. where he applies himself, the way he takes care of his body, his... Mm-hmm. He's, he's been in the game for a long time. He's a very studied student of the game. He knows how to play smart. Mm-hmm. Someone that I want to be there in the team as a leader. Mm-hmm. Then on the left, Kulabali. Kulabali on the left. Okay. So we're linked with Kulabali. Um, left centre back. So he'll be taking Rudiger's position. Why do you think uh, he'd be a good option for a left center back. I feel like he is good on the ball, which is very important for the kind of football we want to play. We want to be able to play at the back, mm-hmm. we want to be secure in possession. Mm-hmm. He's got that. 
he's also someone that is very assured in his defending. He's not someone that's easy to get past. He's very strong yeah. and he's good in the air. Yeah. So I feel like having someone like him on the left-hand side, when we have a wing-back like Callum, who's a winger who likes to get forward, mm-hmm. it's important to have that protection. And you have Thiago there on the beside him. So I feel like that's enough protection there with our midfield for Callum to go and be more free in attack. Yeah, yeah. So what I'll say is, I did this analysis a long time ago, so maybe it's changed. But I remember when I was uh, weighing up centre-back options, maybe in 2020, and I don't think... It looked like Koulibaly wasn't the best area, to be fair. Um, I know he's quite tall and people think that comes out of the box with tall players, but you still have to learn how to be good um, at headers. But one thing I would also mention is that what Rudiger gave us and what why I like Rudiger and Trevor Chalabar as our wide centre-backs is because they can carry the ball. And so essentially getting the ball to our wing-backs, especially in this 3-4-3, is so important in this game. Um, because if if there's too many people, but what well, essentially we need to get up the, the ball to the wing backs quick because um, what they're the easiest people to get it to. It's difficult to get it to our attackers because they have to remain quite high. And if they come back to get the ball deeper, then they they're not going to be able to you know do damage because they're deep and they've got to take the ball all the way up. So getting the ball to the wing backs is so important, and Rudiger helps us do that by running forward. Um, and I think. If pe- for people that because I've been on some spaces and they're like, oh, Koulibaly can't play left centre back. I just don't think you know Koulibaly. Koulibaly can can run with the ball. He's very technical and he can run with the ball. Um, yeah, not necessarily the same way Rudiger does because I think that like, Rudiger's running into space etc. But he's really he's got good feet. Koulibaly's got for a big guy. He's got good feet and he can run with the ball um, up and up and down that left side. But equally, I can see him being. The, the, set, the sweeper centre back as well because he's that good on the ball um, so that's interesting so you've got Koulibaly left centre back and you've got Thiago Silva sweeper and then who you've got right centre back like you said it's important to have right centre backs that are good at carrying the ball to our wing backs yeah. and like you said Koulibaly isn't the strongest in the air but at the same time it's like we defend in numbers you get what I mean so my right centre back would be Trev Easy. Oh, interesting. I feel like he's had his moments. Tuchel's taken him out of the team. He's had his moments with him. But I feel like one thing that I feel like Tuchel likes about him is someone that takes in instructions and he pushes himself. He doesn't settle for less. And it's like, I feel like he'll be ready to come into this season, this next season, to prove himself again. The same way that people didn't expect him to have that much of a role this season. He mm-hmm. stayed and he became a vital part of the team. Mm-hmm. I feel like he would be very good in the kind of football I want to play. Good on the ball, very secure. I want centre-backs that are not timid. Like, yes, he can be rash on the ball, but I feel like a lot of the best centre-backs get themselves in certain kind of situations sometimes because what they're not sitting on their laurels. They know that sometimes I need to be the one that's pushing the initiative to be the aggressor because if I'm not, that could lead to my team conceding. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something about Trevor that I like about him. He has confidence. So what about Kunde? Because Kunde seems like he's coming in. Um, he's someone that can travel the ball. Listen, I believe in Trevor as well. But Kunde can also do that job. So have you seen enough of Kunde to accurately like judge him? Not really. That's why for me, like I like him and I like the idea of him and what's been sold to me. 
yeah. but at the same time like he is a short center back too so it's like you got take even though like that doesn't always matter because if you have a good leap if you're good at contesting the ball that's all that matters really but at the same time it's like for me for what I know my my the guy that I'm backing the most to start the games and be the most consistent for me is Trevor yeah I have no problem with that okay all right cool so uh Mendy and goal yep okay okay so that's your full team um and it's your main team and so can I pass judgment on your team of course okay so I think it started off rocky you, you saw me challenging you heavily when it came to your attack. I just didn't believe in your attack in terms of the goal-scoring numbers. Um, with the attack you have now, I'm happier. I'm happier because I think with Reese James and Hudson Doe, those two players, they're actual attackers too. I know that Reese James, right back in the center. Reese James probably, out of all of them guys, have, has the best strike on him. Um, and he's obviously danger from crossing. So he's a, I think, and he's good on the ball. He's a capable attacker. Sometimes we play wing backs like Aspi. I just don't count him as an attacker. Even though, like Tuchel says, we play five attackers, five defenders. When you're playing Aspi for me, that's you're not an attacker. When you're playing Alonso, I just feel like, again, yes, he's got a good strike, but he's not good on the ball. But I, what I like about the five you have across attack in Hudson Odoi, uh, Mount, um, Havertz, Dembele, and Reese James. To me, that's a dangerous five. Like you stumbled upon this because you was gonna bring some bullshit before, but that's a dangerous five. <laughs> that's a dangerous five. It's it's good. You've done better than than you would have done. So I'm glad that you rethought it. Um, so with Hudson Odoi, attacking wise as a left wing back, people might think actually defensively is that going to leave us full short you talk about Kula Bally there it's fair enough um you know it's fair it's fair enough maybe I think they're doing Callum as a service in my opinion because he's, he's played a lot of games at right wing back he's, he's but no but the reason why I say that is because do we want Callum the defensive player or do we want Callum the attacker and so we won't call him the attacker, but I feel like he's shown we've seen him in this position before as well. It's like we've seen him in that hybrid wing back attack. But, but my my what I'm actually saying is that if Callum, if we want to see the best of Callum, then actually I'd prefer it if the formation and the structure is placed so that he's able to do way more attacking than defensive. That's the beauty of the 3-4-3 three, three, because it's, you have someone on the right like Reese James who can be a threat down the right with his crossing and with his goal threat. But guess what? We got Dembele on the right too. So he can also bring that crossing threat, that goal threat at times. And you can get Reese to be more inverted, which leaves space for our left centre-back to cover more. Do you get what I mean? That's why it's important to have these kind of players it's, that are very what, flexible. But what I'm saying yeah. is, what I'm saying is, in the current 3-4-3 we have with the current manager we have, there's still a lot of defensive work for the wingbacks to do. There is still a lot of defensive. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that um, you should change or anything like that. I'm just saying that um, I'm thinking about with Hudson Odoi there and Kulibali there, it's good. Um, I would just, I would look for it to be 
the type of 3-4-3 where Hudson and Doyle is allowed the freedom, like you said at the top of the podcast, he's allowed the freedom to do a lot more attacking than defensive work. Because I think Callum Hudson and Doyle will do defensive work compared to a lot of wingers in that position. Uh, but I just don't want him to do too much. That's all I'm saying on, in that regard. Kovacic, Kante, both of them have had injuries, um, recurring injuries throughout the season. So maybe they won't last throughout the season. They're maybe not robust enough. Um, but but at the same time, two good players, two experienced players for Chelsea. And that back three, again, Trevor, love Trevor. Thiago Silva is going to be older as well, so there's going to be questions around that. Mendy had, a, had an amazing, insane first half of the season to follow up his insane end to two cool um, first, whatever, four months here. Um, but then has, he's had a really kind of mediocre subpar uh, last part of the season. So hopefully a rest um, and recuperation and linking up with his countrymen in Kulibaly will mean that he comes back strong. Okay, so I always say it's better to focus on our team than look what Man City's doing, et cetera, et cetera, even though I have done that when I bring up Alvarez and Haaland and all that type of stuff. But do you feel like this team that you've just um, put together... Do you feel like they they could be a title challenging team, not title challenging, title winning team? I believe they can do that. Yeah, it's not going to be a simple thing, but yeah. I believe these kind of players, the quality they have in a formation like this, allowing them to be fluid, allowing them to connect and play as a team. I feel like they can. I feel like there's enough firepower, enough creativity to challenge for the title and become winners okay. I feel like there's enough defensively enough in the midfield and enough in the attack to get what you need yeah I feel like to be fair looking at and thinking about a team I think in attack you've got two hard working players two really hard working players in Havertz and uh, Mount and then you've got two really creative players in um, Dembele and Hudson Mm-hmm. And Reese James, so you've got three exactly. there. Um, you've got in terms of shooters, I feel like you've got. Um, in terms of spammy shooters, you've got Mount, who's a spammy shooter, and I also think you've got Dembele, who's a bit of a spammy shooter too. You got Reese. He's not a spammy shooter. I think when okay. I say spammy, I spammy, but he's someone that I I feel that like we see enough when he gets a when the ball falls to him. This is. So, yeah, I'm just focusing on spammy shooters. So, in terms of the spammy shooters, I think it's Dembele and uh, Mount. I think with Reese James, he's more of a sharpshooter. I think, he, yeah, I think he's a big danger. And don't forget, he was out for half a season and he got a good number of goals. And playing in this more attacking position, I think he can really load up. So, I think we do have goals there in terms of Reese, in terms of Mount. I think both of them can maybe get, you know, double digits. And then I think with Dembele, again, I don't think it'll be foreign if he can stay fit to get double digits. I think Havertz will get double digits. And then with Hudson-Odoi, I feel like, obviously, people forget that he's even, like he's younger than Mount too, like, like two years younger than Mount. I think he's one year older than Reese James. But again, Reese James has played, started way more games than him. So like it's like with Vinicius, he's gone from someone that didn't score many at all, but... Like that didn't really bother Real Madrid. They weren't focused on the goals. They were just letting him cook 
Do you know what I'm saying? And even Reese James, if you look at him this season compared to the season before, like the growth has been incredible. But he had the time to just cook without expectations. And I feel like Hudson Odoi, unfortunately for him, and I know people are going to say, oh, he put on himself, he signed a big contract or whatever, and whatever crazy rubbish, which I don't agree with. But I still believe he hasn't really had that much time to cook. Um, this season, he's played the most. And to be fair to him, uh, to Tuchel, he started a season as wing-back, but then very quickly he started to play just in attack. And so he's been injured. Um, we're hearing that Hudson-Odoi has come back early and he's training to be strong for next season. So it's interesting. But I'm also hearing Tuchel really talking about how the attack, he needs numbers in attack. And I don't think he believes he can trust Hudson-Odoi for numbers in attack. And obviously with... Dembele, someone that's got loads of assists. I feel like he can trust him for assists, but I'm so intrigued in who he's going to trust for goals and attack. But man, like Joe, thanks for doing this first. We've got your team, so if you could do that team for me again and send it through, I'm going to put that as part of the podcast um, picture, and we'll do these one on ones with each of the cast members, and it will just be good to have this. So that when the season starts, we can go back and we can laugh at some people's teams and we can praise other people's teams. Um, all right, cool. Any any last words you want to say on it um, before we close out? Obviously, you saw a change in my team, but the most important thing to take from that is like, that's the most, that's the one thing I do like about Tuchel is like, he likes to change things. He likes to analyse the landscape and then move based off what he sees and you get me points you questioned me you pushed me made me think a bit and I like this team that I came out with I like it way more than what I started with so yeah yeah I respect yeah. it I really like it I think just before we close um with Hudson Odoi as wing back I prefer it just because a lot of three four threes they have too many defensive players but I think now I like the mixture of attacking players you have on the pitch a lot more I, it feels like you really have five attackers, three defenders, and two midfielders. Especially, yeah, so especially with what you said about Callum and like the pressure for him to get numbers, it's like when you have him as left wing back, you're allowing him to play his game yeah. to be wide, to be the creative player, yeah. but also be on the left. Yeah, exactly. Think, be on the left so he can come in on his right. Yeah, and yeah. It's like with the other players around the pitch who are able to carry their own weight it allows him to be himself and when he's being himself don't be surprised if you start to see him do things that you wouldn't expect him to have been doing before because he's got the freedom to just play his game and grow yeah yeah i, I remember like formation is what we need i remember the Arsenal preseason game from last season he played left wing back and he was roasting he was roasting their players and it, he might as well been playing left wing but and we didn't get to see him that much at left wing back. But it's interesting. I, I'm glad we've got the first uh, desired 11. So this is man like Joe's desired 11 for uh, Chelsea 2022-2023. We'll come back with another cast member. We'll see all of the desired 11s. You can mock us or you can praise us. Let us know. We just want to put our opinions out there. And then we'll let the listening audience uh, make their judgments. But thank you again for listening. I've been Daniel Soff and this is Man Like Joe's 2022-2023 Design Level. We'll see you next week.
Kante They do threads on Twitter and ranting Doing the most True say that money is power So when you get money, keep quiet and ghost Ghost I remember when I shot my shot But I didn't have guap So I hit the post But next time it's a golden goal and- Sports Social Podcast Network